being programmed to chill a show about business crime parapolitics and esoterica with your host jimmy fallon gong now if you're on twitter and you're following me you probably know dakota but dakota is an artist in every sense of the word they're chaotic ohio energy punk extreme music country music all of these good things Dakota's always beefing with Satanists online, for which they've gotten banned off of Twitter several times. There's the famous Shed, Dakota's lovely partner Laura, guns, motorcycles, patches of jackets, things of this nature. Dakota designs the uh, logo for the show, as well as the premium feed logo, as well as the uh, shirts and sticker designs. Now, if memory serves... I think I've said this, but I think I met Dakota either through the Subliminal Jihad Discord or Twitter or something, and we uh, bonded over our mutual appreciation of Dave McGowan and our hatred of all things satanic. In the past, I had Dakota on to discuss the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4 movie, which was very fun. How are you doing today, Dakota? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing Excellent. <laughs> I know that uh, I think this topic was your idea, but I think it was always sort of like in the pocket, as it were, to talk through some of the extremely interesting things about death groups. Oh, yeah. This band has been uh, on the back burner to be discussed on a show like this for a long time, I think. Now, let me. Okay. So first of all, let me say. I imagine some of my older listeners might have a hard time with this episode in terms of the music. I know Death Grips can be a bit abrasive or hard to get into. Uh, Dakota, like, what was your experience? How did you get into or first hear about Death Grips? Um, to uh, expose my age and upbringing, like many, I discovered Death Grips through 4chan's music board when uh, <laughs> X Military dropped and uh, changed the world way back in the early 20 teens. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't on 4chan, but I do remember when X Military came out, and it was not too long after it came out, and I was just like, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, what's. Uh... What qualities do you like about Death Grips? I mean, for me, Death Grips is like a, they're a perfect fusion of like the best things about, you know, more extreme music, like either you're like, you know, breakcore or like, you know, machine girl-esque experimental techno um, noise, like, you know, your Merzbo and that sort of thing. And mixing that with like, both genuinely incredibly high quality like hip-hop and then on top of that just putting like an incredible drummer who's done like math rock and punk and metal and everything under the sun and kind of combining them in a way that i feel like no other band has ever really been willing to do before them and no one's ever done successfully after them yeah like it's i mean Every way of describing them has probably been tried already, but like it really is like this weird fusion of like punk and rap that like I have never heard before or since, really. 
Yeah, I mean, there's imitators of various qualities. And I don't mean imitators like as in ripoffs, but like, you know, clearly mm-hmm. inspired by Death Grips from like, you know, the mega mainstream, like Jesus is blatantly inspired by early Death Grips. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of, you know, great artists that were also <clears throat> clearly inspired by Death Grips, like JPEG Mafia and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Like, it is interesting, right? Because like Death Grips, it, is also maybe one of the most online bands. And I don't mean themselves. I mean, like, their fan base is, like, one of the most online groups of people, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, considering when X Military dropped, they were definitely, like, the first, like, you know, web 3.0 band. Mm-hmm. Like, they were one of the first bands to really embrace, like, not just the internet, but, like, you know online with a trademark logo like being capital o online yes in very new and different ways because like there were lots of bands that were like on myspace lots of pop punk bands like grooming minors online but like (laughs) death grips was doing different shit in terms of promoting their music yeah they were a real evolution because like i know radiohead would do that sort of thing online back Mm -hmm. in the day and like nine inch nails did but like Death Grips was probably the first big band that really was by online people for online people. Yes. Yeah. No, I do like the comparison to Nine Inch Nails, which didn't they take Death Grips on tour, I think? Um, I think they tried to. I don't remember if that was the one Death Grips ended up backing out of. It was either Nine Inch Nails or maybe Ministry. Mm, yeah, because I feel like the fan bases did not (laughs) overlap as much as maybe the tour initially thought. Yeah. That, and it was kind of during death grips is like, you know, mysterious, like decline and like, you know, falling out of the public eye. Yes. (laughs) Now I've said before, and I'll say it again, growing up, I was an an indie asshole, right? I'm recovering. (laughs) I'm in recovery. And so I remember Death Grips first and foremost because I was on a lot of like music blogs where you could like just pirate music, a yeah. lot of like Brazilian sites for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> and like I remember Ex Military when it came up and I started listening to them from that point on. And at that juncture in my life, I was not at all really acquainted with hip hop yet. I know what, what are you going to do? But so this really blew my freaking mind. Like I, did listen to some quote-unquote like extreme music or whatever lots of hardcore and so forth and some like noise some of that stuff but like this really is like some it was something different like there there was like an intensity right yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it's just like the most intense music sometimes but like there's lots of aggressive angry abrasive music right dakota but like there's almost like a clarity of purpose with death grips that like set them apart from like lots of angry bands making angry music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, you can listen to a lot of extreme bands, but like Death Grips are one of the few that you feel like you can both like, you know, smash up your ex's car to, but also like <laughs> dance to. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they managed to like in they managed to fuse like being extreme with being like accessible enough to also be like, you know, a jam without really saturating either side like a lot have 
Yeah, it's almost like perhaps the band had a very intentionally thought out their trajectory and what they would want to accomplish and maybe even had some experience with uh, ceremonial magic, perhaps. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so like that clarity of purpose, that like artistic vision, I think to some degree is informed by like basically their spiritual practices would be my argument. Yeah, at least in the case of uh, Hyde and uh, Flatlander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so basically here's, I want to run this past you, Dakota, because like basically here's here's the good cop, bad cop scenario with this episode. <laughs> Dakota knows Death Grips much more than I do. And then like I I don't know, maybe I've read more chaos magic shit than maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not, but I, I mean I would say you probably have. So like somewhere between the two, we're gonna get to where we're going with this, but I wanted to run this past you, okay? Here's my theory. Death grips is using chaos magic techniques. But the thing about chaos magic is like it's not so much like it's chaos magic is almost defined by the techniques that are used. It's not necessarily a term that reflects what the underlying belief system is. And my hypothesis, and this could be way off, but I'm just going to run this past you. Well, let me ask you before I say it, how do you take the idea that they're into chaos magic? I mean, I feel like, that's almost obvious to some extent. I mean, if you mm-hmm. look at the at Bride <laughs> or like you look at any of their music, um, and you can tell there's some there's some intent there. It's not just, you know, making music to mosh to. Yeah, I don't think that that contention is the hard sell. Here's my theory, and we'll we'll see. Okay, we'll see. My theory is that they might actually believe in Charles Manson's atavistic magical worldview oh you mean like you know going fully like uh atwa yeah i think they might be like atwa type dudes all right i'm absolutely willing to believe that after you know all other things i've seen i would not say that's uh, out of the realm of possibility we'll go through the evidence and we'll see if it leads us there it might not actually i mean i am open to being wrong about this oh yeah but chaos magic for sure as to the underlying beliefs, well, let's let's find out. Let's find out. <laughs> um, let's see here. So I was thinking first we'll talk about the band, then we'll talk about some of the music, right? Sure. So Dakota, who is Death Grips in terms of like the band members? I mean, I know they're based in Sacramento. All of them were. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Hill is a lot less enigmatic than the other two because he had a lot of successful projects before Death Grips and a lot of successful projects after their disappearance. So he doesn't really need introduction. Ride is a little more mysterious. He had like a very small time rap career in Sacramento that was a lot more just traditional California hip hop. Um, he did a lot with his brother. Um, and then Flatlander, a.k.a. A2B2, to me at least, and I don't know if you did further research than I did, that guy is a complete mystery. I 
struggled to find any real backstory to him before the formation of Death Grips, outside of just a couple of like Ableton tracks he made back in the day. Yeah, I did not find hardly anything on this guy. Yeah, yeah, Flatlander is to me the most, uh, you know, invisible of all the three members. Yeah, in terms of uh, Zach Hill. Like you said, doesn't need an introduction, but like this guy has been on a bunch of like albums with a bunch of bands. Like, oh, yeah. Like you said, he's very accomplished, but like uh, the solo album of like the dude from like the Mars Volta, right? Isn't that? <laughs> That's true. Um, Marnie Stern. Like, yeah. Um, he recently did something with Shu Shu interesting yeah a band we had a lovely talk about earlier maybe we can get into later if we have the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was a uh, that was some real laurel like strange scenes oh yeah laurel Canyon I, uh, shit. i had a lot of fun informing you of that one <laughs> um apparently he also did work with dillinger escape plan which is a band i've never really liked that much but i'm sure somebody out there does i'm not a i'm just not a math rock guy you know i yeah, I went through a little bit of a phase back when I first, like, you know, discovered, you know, quote unquote, intelligent music when, you know, the first time a 13 year old listens to Tool and then kind of uh, expanded out from there. But <laughs> I kind of grew out of that pretty fast. Yeah, I never I never had a Tool phase. I don't know. Oh, my God. I had an intolerable Tool phase. I was the worst. <laughs> Did you ever get any uh, tattoos related to Tool? <laughs> Oh, uh, no. Of all my uh, regrettable tattoos, I avoided a tool tattoo, thankfully. Interesting. In fact, I have, I probably have more like vaguely Death Grips inspired tattoos than uh, tool tattoos. Hmm. Yeah, let's see. So basically, and like Andy uh, Flatlander, right? Yeah, Andy Marin, I think is how you'd pronounce it. I think so. So he said that basically he argued that Zach Hill was the uh, creative mastermind behind Death Grips. Although, like we were discussing, you really can't argue that MC Ride is not like a crucial element as well, right? Because he basically writes the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I feel like... Uh when andy said that i think he meant more that uh zach hill is more the glue that holds the band together mm, that would make sense because uh, he's got like you know obviously exponentially more experience like both in the music industry working with other musicians etc and uh, he's clearly a lot more um sociable than any of the other members um, i remember way back in the day um after the money store and before no love deep web uh, I think it was Adult Swim did an interview with Death Grips, probably their first like public mainstream interview. And um, Zach Hill was basically the only one that talked. I think Flatlander <laughs> said a total of two sentences and Ride was completely silent. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. So I definitely feel like uh, on their own, Ride and um, Flatlander probably couldn't hold together enough to keep like a not mainstream, but, you know, a band that can function well and, you know, do big shows, get deals or whatever, you know, get sponsorships and or just general publicity. I don't think those two guys have it in them to do that. I feel like they needed somebody with a little bit more experience. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So 
I was researching all three, like you said, almost nothing for Andy Flatlander. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, like you said, with Zach Hill, you can find him being in a bunch of bands, and there's not that much beyond that. But with MC Red, he seems like the the uh, the big mystery, right? <laughs> like, yeah, he's definitely the protagonist of the band for sure. Mm-hmm. And so I did spend a significant amount of time trying to find facts about him. I'm not going to like <laughs> list off all of the family members. Yeah, we don't names. need to dox the guy. Right. Uh, I'll skip all that. I will say, though, I found what I believe is a photograph of MC Ride's dad playing basketball in the newspapers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you sent me that. Um, no, I know like... 4chan weirdos have like doxed him a little further than you and I are willing to but um really I think his life before death grips was probably relatively normal all things considered at least like in terms of what's publicly available like not within his personal life but obviously nobody can really know that right personal life yeah hard to tell I did want to throw this out I have a couple things. I don't know if this is like uh, where the internet. Uh, how do you how do you say the name of the boards like? Um, at, like X and Mu. For yeah, I think it's Mu is how Mu and generally accepted. Yeah, so like I don't know if this is stuff they found already or not. I mean, probably. I mean, those guys are total freaks, but do go on. Unlike us, of course. <laughs> yeah. When we do it, it's normal. <laughs> exactly. So it's pretty well established. In fact, it's one of the few biographical facts that MC Riot attended Hampton University. Now, Hampton University is a private university. It's also historically black university. Do you want to know some notable alumni from Hampton University? Oh, I would love to. Wanda Sykes. No way. Noted comedian and noted nsa employee wow now going off of that i was like hmm wait a minute okay hampton university she went there she was in the nsa okay let me just do some research turns out the cia recruits from hampton university oh really turns out most of the intelligence agencies do Turns out the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, a.k.a. the satellite shit, recruits from Hampton University. Many defense contractors. And then in the area separate from the university, there are many, many, many intelligence job postings in Hampton, Virginia. Oh, no. I mean, that's true for all of Virginia, but still. But still. Yeah. <laughs> no. I did find this. There was a uh, a stand-up, like stand-up comedy show that mm -hmm. announced that MC Ride, Stephen Burnett, would basically be attending. Because it's like, oh, it's cool. It's like the famous guy for, who attended this college or whatever. And so it was like, yeah, he's going to be at this comedy show. Come and meet him if you want, blah, blah, blah. Dakota, do you want to know the name of the... Uh, comedy show oh god i would love to know the name stand up monarchs <laughs> fuck off 
I literally thought to myself in my head, like, oh, I bet it's going to be Monarch. Jesus <laughs> Christ, that is incredible. Yep. Wow. So, listen, I'm not saying MC Ride is a spy or anything, but if we are thinking Laurel Canyon and we're thinking Jim Morrison type of shit, yeah. just know that the college he went to is a recruiting spot for intelligence agencies. Just throwing that out there. Now, around when was that um, stand-up show you were telling me about? Like, do you have a year for that? I do. It was 2016. Oh, really? So it was, like, early on when they were popping off, but, like, you know. Yeah, that was that was before they kind of, like, disappeared for a little bit. That was, like, you know, in the middle of their actively um, – still releasing music and making statements phase yes interesting wow. right <laughs> and incredible i wrote this line i thought it was funny i i feel like mc Wright is like the world's least annoying spoken word artist <laughs> right because it's like he's rapping but he's not it's not but it's like kind of like spoken word but i don't hate it you know just i mean yeah like i'm willing to uh give a little credence to some spoken word artists um michael Giro yeah. swans has done some good stuff lydia lunch has done some good stuff interesting i'm mainly judging from just like people in college that i knew <laughs> oh yeah yeah intolerable i mean yeah oh my god you should hear um the guy from black flag his name escapes me at the moment his spoken henry rollins henry rollins thank he's you. such a freaking goober no he's <laughs> hilarious he's like the least cool dad that's ever lived yeah and correct me if i'm wrong did jello biafra do spoken word or did he just oh release a bunch of spoken word no he's he not not anymore he kind of went back into doing real music but uh no jello did an absolute mountain of spoken word for a while um to the to the point it was almost a meme um Mm -hmm. like among the community i remember uh hardtimes.net has an article like you know Mm, lucky yeah. man on flight sitting next to jello biafra gets free three hour spoken word album i remember that that was so yeah, yeah. funny <laughs> oh geez okay now i promise i'm not going to fed jacket mc right here i'm just i'm just saying i'm just saying just saying okay we're just stating the facts folks okay should we talk about the name of the band sure um i would love to hear if you had any interesting theories on it i personally always assumed it was like a reference to the like hacking method but what do i know tell me what is the hacking method um i'm not a nerd so i can't go into extreme detail but i know there's a method especially of hacking like cell phones and now tablets called like the death grip like to basically hack into a device and you know extract all the information from and my assumption this whole time has been it was a reference to that but what do i know i would love to hear if there were any uh, alternative theories on that interesting okay i like that because it does fit with you know their general themes of the internet yeah 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 especially back in like the money store era honestly i kind of like that the most okay so let's put a pin on that. I've also heard people explain that it is basically like when you're jacking off with like a numb hand or like your dick <laughs> is numb or something like that. Oh, wait, you mean the old stranger in the tub? 
Yeah. So <laughs> I've heard that from people, right? And All then, right. okay, Dakota, do you know that logo guy on, he has like a other podcast or whatever. Oh yeah. He blocked suits. me on my, on the shoot civilians. Yeah. Logo Daedalus. Oh, he did. Why did he block yeah. you? Um, I have actually no idea. <laughs> it was probably because you were like insufficiently Aristotelian or some bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I was insufficient with my angel magic, I think. <laughs> so he has a theory that because he did a thing on Death Grips and I was like, when I found out, I was like, oh, damn it. And then I like looked through it and it was like mostly bullshit. <laughs> I uh and uh feel free to cut me saying this. Uh we're gonna blow him out of the fucking water. <laughs> folks. I don't know. I mean I might not be a sufficient appreciator of Francis Bacon or something to <laughs> whatever the fuck. But so he has this theory that death grips is a Freemasonic term. Okay. Okay. Now I don't agree with that, and the reason why I don't agree with that is because he cites a book where the term death grips appears in a Freemasonic context. The book was written in modern times by a guy who is not a Freemason and no fucking Freemasons use the term. So I, I just do not think that it's a Freemasonic term. Now by in modern times, what do you mean by that? Like it was a book written in the past decade. And okay. Okay. So very recently. Yeah. And it's okay. like the guy's not a Freemason. He's just using that term to describe one of their many handshakes. And it's like, that's, that's not I mean, those like, freaks love their handshakes. You could find anything that's used, like any sort of hand imagery to reference the Masons. If you're going with that. Yeah. That, so basically I don't think the name refers to Freemasonic shit. It's either a thing about jacking off or hacking. Yeah. 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 Right. No, this is uh, giving me flashbacks to debating the meaning of the band name Pearl Jam. <laughs> which, uh, folks, it means cum. I mean, that's a strong reading, I think. Pearl Jam. Come on, it's cum. <laughs> or is it Vril? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there is some Freemasonic connections to different things that the band has done. Like there is uh, in the uh, the uh, what is it the double album, the powers that be, yes. right? Gamers on the moon, right? yeah, that and uh, Jenny Death, right? Uh, so the cover to one of them, I think, Gamers on the Moon, shows MC Ride walking through a part of a cemetery in Sacramento, where it's like the part of the cemetery where Odd Fellows are buried, who are oh, not, really? by the way, Freemasons, so. It's not unrelated, but it's not a. That's also not a Freemason thing, directly. Yeah, no. Um, I actually never knew the uh, context of that cover. I always thought it was just you know a classic cool photo of hanging out in a graveyard. I didn't know there was a lot more uh, meaning to where it was taken. And mind you, I did not fact check that, so that could be wrong too. For all I know, maybe it isn't that part of the cemetery. I'm trusting internet autists here. Um, you know what? I've in my experience, there's no one more trustworthy in this world. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Logo was saying it, so he was wrong about the Death Grips name. So, well, he's got a special kind of problem. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. So then I wanted to run this past you, Dakota, because I do not think that this is for sure the source of the name, but it is disconcerting, right? Yeah. Do you remember the Lakening episodes that I did? Oh, uh, yes. So when they arrested Charles Ang, the serial killer, mm-hmm. he was in Canada and they put him next to a jailhouse snitch who got him to talk. And this jailhouse snitch basically got Charles Ang to make all of these incredibly incriminatory, like cartoons of him doing murder and shit. Mm -hmm. And he also would just talk to him about like his crimes. And he described like a sexual act of sexual assault that basically involved the term like the death grip oh really yes now that that's one i'm definitely uh willing to consider is more plausible yeah because it's like i don't know to what extent that is like uh in common parlance i'm guessing not very but then it's like i don't know i mean it is literally the same term you know no i as death grips has their love for your serial killer lore i would definitely say that's within the realm of possibility yeah like i'm thinking at least you know they picked a name that has multiple meanings because they are a band which loves if nothing else an ambiguous (laughs) statement right yeah 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 no and um especially as you and i talked about um you know off recording they're mysterious love of specific serial killers especially in the california area yes i'm trying to remember they were in at times they were in san francisco but i I forget where their cabin was i wonder how far it even is yeah i uh honestly could not point sacramento california to you on a map (laughs) i uh i think that's because my soul is pure okay so sacramento and calaveras county are about under two hours from each other okay this is not that crazy in terms of like serial killer lore this is like pretty freaking close no i would say that's absolutely within the realm of possibility i mean they love their south their uh, california serial killers um especially you know the closer to their hometown the better so i would say that's within the realm of uh possibility let me ask you dakota because i know you told me but i forgot the specifics right what other serial killer connections does this band actually have so they've referenced a few serial killers, like, you know, offhandedly in raps. And we can get to that in a little bit if you want. Probably other than Charles Manson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Their biggest and most, you know, prevalent serial killer motif was uh, Richard Chase, the vampire of Sacramento. Mm. In which, in one of the promos for um, Year of the Snitch, and in one of the tracks, The Fear, um, is a sample of a guy. I'm assuming it's not actually Richard Chase. It could be, but I've never heard that audio, you know, outside of the songs saying like um in the promo, I think he says uh vampirism is reptilianism or something along those lines. Vampirism is reptilianism. Yeah. And then in the track The Fear, it opens with a sample of a guy saying um I don't know, dude. I just I just drink blood, dude. I don't know, dude. I just I just drink blood, dude. And um, in the liner notes for Year of the Snitch, which I used to have on CD, I lost that forever ago. That is credited as, quote, the vampire. Not specifically naming him, but that seems a little too close for uh, to be a coincidence. 
And Richard Chase, of course, is one of the more horrific serial killers of California lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a this is a plausible source for the name, I think. Yeah, I would say. Interesting. No, I would say that's not too out of left field. Now, maybe we should talk about the band's beginning, right? Like you said, MC Ride had like an early rap career, not that notable. Zach Hill was in various bands, and then Andy Flatlander. It's not really clear what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, but their first release comes out in 2011. Not ex-military, it, right? It's the EP named Death Grips. Uh, yes, I think that's correct. Yeah, Death Grips EP. Yeah, actually, that EP, by the way, rules. It's really, really good. But yeah, that came out um, before Ex Military. Okay, so they formed in 2010, but they released the, their first EP in 2011. And on that EP, one of, in fact, the very first song that appears samples "Lightning's Girl" by Nancy Sinatra. Yeah, and so from the very start they are basically sampling various snippets of music from laurel canyon and just the like california 1960s and 1970s yes absolutely Shots, but all of school freaks do 
conversation with the bands and musicians that Dave McGowan so lovingly talks about in his book, Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon, right? Absolutely. Much to think about (laughs) for a spooky band that is in conversation with a bunch of spooky bands, okay? Yeah. What other interesting and notable samples are on that EP? Um, I would say... (laughs) The biggest one, and uh, this should set off a lot of Kill Bill sirens for all listeners, in uh, the second track they ever released, track number two on their first ever EP, Face Melter, samples uh, Helter Skelter by the Beatles. <laughs> Why is that significant, Dakota? Oh, uh, there's a lot of guys that were big fans of that song back in the day. Guys like uh, Charlie Manson? Yeah, old Charlie was famous for his uh, enthusiasm for that particular track. Exactly. I, I truly, there's no way uh, one of the members of Death Grips, whichever one put that sample in, probably Flatlander was like, oh yeah, no, uh, no, it's just a good song. We're not trying to uh, get at anything with uh, that particular choice. And um, do you know the name of that track? The full name, I mean? Face Melter, How to Do Impossible Things. Yeah, and I, I think How to Do Impossible Things particularly kind of stands out to me a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I just find that like an interesting subtitle for that song, especially being their second song ever. What impossible things could we be talking about, I wonder? Yeah, exactly. Like what you were saying about chaos magic. I don't know. That feels very fitting to me. Yeah. Now, to be fair to the band, right? They also sample like they're eclectically sampling. So they also sample like Daft Punk, Bad Brains, Pink Floyd, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. All all great tracks. Yeah. Although, they also sample Magma, the French prog band, which has an interesting vision of humanity's spiritual and ecological future. Hey, do you know anyone who also has a vision of humanity's spiritual and ecological future? You know, I can think of one or two guys. (laughs) Okay, cool, 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 cool. Just to go back to uh, Face Melter real quick. Before we get back on um, subject, I knew it in my head, but I have the lyrics in front of me now. And some of them, I don't know. They do feel like, uh, you know, pretty intentional as to what they were getting at. Do you want to read any? or? Uh... <laughs> sure. I mean, you've got just, I don't know, the opening lines, like just, you know, references to black magic. Um, 
specifically like, you know, black magic flames race out because they forgot they can't get down enough. Low to the ground limbo. Don't touch this merchandise. It's way too much. Ride the currents like a snake. You know, I don't know. Hmm. And then it closes on um, like, you know, Helter Skelter, Face Melter. Like, I don't know. That's an interesting choice for your second song ever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like that was a real thesis statement for the band coming out with those two tracks. Yes. In fact, I found a interview quote where they basically said that, like, at least in the case of ex-military, which ex-military is basically the Death Grips EP, but like flushed out into like an album length. Yeah. Basically, from ex-military, they considered them like their artistic vision, not fully realized because there's still stuff they wanted to accomplish, but like basically the end of the band was built into the beginning and that like it all ties together yeah i wish i i wish i had the quote exactly but like that was the gist of it yeah very uh ouroboros as an image they love to use so much mm-hmm. so ex-military do you think it's their strongest work dakota because for me my favorite is ex-military but i'm also like less of a devotee to this band than you probably um i wouldn't call it their single strongest work it's definitely in their top tier um Mm -hmm. if we're talking purely musically i would say jenny death is Mm -hmm. their just best work in terms of like listening to an album i think jenny death is untouched but uh ex-military is incredible and uh in terms of uh you know the grander scheme of music in the 20 teens i would say ex-military is definitely their most influential yeah because like i told you dakota i was like a little indie asshole but like in my old age now i've become a bit of a normie so oh my god any of my like four any 4chan listeners out there are going to be making fun of me liking (laughs) ex-military the best but what can i say it's the one i know the most i mean a lot of people like ex-military the best especially a lot of like people that lean closer to like being you know punk purists because that's definitely their most punk album yeah and there's like still a lot of like 60s sampling going on so it almost has like a classic rock feel to it i mean yeah i mean they sample pink floyd like extremely prevalently like yeah no there's a lot of really good samples on that um and then of course you've got i would say their number one most memed song with guillotine yeah would you say maybe at least Ex Military is probably their most well-known album by virtue of how things work, right? I would say it's either Ex Military or The Money Store. I can't say for sure which one, but yeah. it's either Ex Military or The Money Store. Right. So very distinctive, right? Yeah. The uh, Ex Military album, I mean, I guess it's a technically a mixtape, but they consider it an album. It has a very distinctive cover. Yes. And anyone who hasn't seen it should just look it up right now. Basically, it is an Aboriginal Australian man, right? Yes. Who does kind of look a little bit like MC Ride. I mean, I he's got the same beard. Yeah, he has like a, that very intense look. So, but the thing too is that it's not just a picture and it says death grips going, you know, uh vertically and then ex-military going horizontally yeah it was also clearly like folded up so it was a picture that had been folded into 
you know, four equal parts. Yeah. And so like, it's almost like, uh, on the guy's nose, that's where the four sections meet. Right. Pretty much perfectly. You know, people wanted to know what is this like album cover and basically Andy Flatlander, right? He said, the cover art is a photograph that one of our members carried in their wallet for roughly 10 years straight. It's a power object. Yes. Okay. What do you think when you hear power object, Dakota? I mean, I guess the first thing my brain wants to go to is like, you know, your, your Crowleyan kind of magic, mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing. Yes. Um, you know magic, CK, much better than I do. So I definitely think you can uh, take the reins on any deeper meaning to that sort of thing. But in my mind, the first thing it pops up is, you know, Crowleyan sort of uh, magic. That's right, folks. It's wizard time. Oh, yeah. So power object, right? Okay. For sure, it evokes magic with a K. But there are various definitions. And as it turns out, the term is actually not that widely used. And we are technically held back a bit by knowing not like we don't exactly know which magical system Death Grips is utilizing, but we are talking about a underlying concept which does appear in almost all magical systems. In terms of like object like power objects as a broad term, it shows up everywhere. But yeah, specifically it only shows up in a couple magical systems. Now At the risk of conflating different concepts, power objects are, on one level, basically charms or amulets, right? Yeah. Items thought to hold magical powers. And this theoretically dates back to, like, the animism of prehistory or shamanism or something. But then it is also, it continues to be relevant in later magical systems like alchemy and the hidden affinities and correspondences and correspondent systems in things you would see in like golden dawn yeah there are really like two types of magic items there are either magic tools things that you use and sort of maybe pick up some magic because of how they're being used and then there are objects which are which you have chosen to be endowed with like magical properties whether or not you believe any of this is true that those are like two distinctions based on utility, I guess. And, you know, the easy example in like a church setting would be like the bishop's meter versus like a rosary. Well, or maybe like a, or maybe like a saint's like finger bone or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, the word escapes me, but don't the Catholics have a specific word for that kind of object? Yeah. Is it like relic or something? Relic. Yes. Thank you. Um, No, like, you know, the true cross or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I guess if you want to think of like the number one power object, probably like the Holy Grail, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, the Spear of Longinus. <laughs> the uh, Shroud of Turin is another one. Like, yeah. it's not exclusive to like you know, either your prehistorical magic or your like Crowleyan dark magic. Like that's been a thing forever. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, as it turns out, though, the term power object like I said, kind of rare, and it does kind of directly relate more to chaos magic, which I've been arguing Death Grips is familiar with and using, in fact. And specifically, it relates to shamanism 
And again, disclaimer here, we're talking about Western chaos magicians' understanding of shamanism, which may or may not be accurate, right? No, there's a big difference potentially between the two. Again, with those caveats aside, a power object can be an object which you choose, and then you endow with spiritual energy, which you can draw from from time to time. Depending on the inclinations of the magician or the audience being spoken to at the time, this can either be explained in purely psychological terms, or it could be a straightforward, not like vulgar understanding of magic. Yeah. There's always some plausible deniability when you talk about magic as to whether it's quote unquote real or just a quote unquote psych- psychological phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I talked about a lot of this with CJ, right? With the Alan Moore episodes where it's like, is it just quote unquote a psychological effect? Well, it's like, first of all, psychological effects are real. But secondly, a lot of magicians don't think it's just a psychological effect. So anyway, so you see the term power object quite a bit in new age stuff, but not that much in ceremonial magic, actually. But I went back to Carol and Heinz to look for the term. Those are chaos magicians. And they talk about related concepts, but I was like, no, there's got to be like a chaos magician who talks about power objects and uses that exact term. So I found it. I found this book called Chaos Magic Volume 3, compiled by a guy named Freder Samael. But he didn't write everything. It is an anthology. He just compiled it, I guess. And let me run through some of the topics that are in Chaos Magic Volume 3, okay? Oh, yeah. First of all, the influence of rock music, okay? <laughs> Second, the hermetic tradition. Like, these are different essays in the book. Okay. Uh, third, something called Lieber, you know, like, Crowley does Lieber or whatever. This one's called Lieber KKK. All right. <laughs> then it's Cthuloid Copulations. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then it's Write Your Own Cthulhu Story. Then Chaos and Will, Dark Sigils, and this is maybe my favorite, Occult Homophobia. (laughs) That's my favorite kind. (laughs) Uh, Specific to the term power object, I found this term as part of an essay entitled Creation Right by a guy named Freighter Metatron. Yeah, of course, that's his name. Dakota, what would your magical freighter name be? Oh, gee whiz. I don't know. I would think, uh, you know, John Satan um, would be a good one. (laughs) Um, You know, Timmy Devil, I think is pretty cool. So very rooted still in sort of like the uh, the punk vibe. Oh, yeah. Something very, uh, I mean, I would say that's very similar to the names you listed off. (laughs) Just when you were going through those names, it brought me back to a conversation me, you, and a couple of other friends had in the official Program to Chill Discord about um, our incredible hatred of H.P. Lovecraft nerds. Yes. And uh, I'm a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft. I think he's a talented writer. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were talking about this with the uh, Order of the Nine Angles and Michael Aquino and whatnot, and that H.P. Uh, Lovecraft nerds are some of the most intolerable people on planet Earth. And when you apply that to your own, like, you know, spiritual belief system, like... You've got a real sickness of the soul. So I'm going to read basically segments of this creation rite, okay? All right. But it is basically a ritual, and I quote, 
designed to be used by a group acting in unison to create an artificial intelligent guardian to protect and serve both the group and the individuals within it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So this ritual involves Enochian chanting. So maybe we should have called Logo and had him on this. Maybe he would have been helpful. <laughs> yeah, just cut out that stuff I said earlier and uh, bring him in on the call. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so basically they do an Enochian charge, and I'm going to read it out, okay? All right. Ki e ki le a a r e le ne ne a. Okay. All right, noted. Now, I'm not saying this is exactly what MC Riot is shouting during the song Clink. Right? Where he's like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. But is it not kind of like that, actually? I can buy it.
No, I see what you're saying. I remember you mentioning that earlier. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like he's. Yeah, I... It sounds like he's shouting nonsense, but it's like, folks, what if he's doing Enochian chanting? You know, if we were talking about almost any other band, I would say you're reaching. But for Death Grips, I would say that's at least plausible. Yeah, it's not reaching when it's freaking Death Grips, right? Yeah, that's like the one band where really there's no such thing as reaching. Yeah, everybody knows that like, oh, evangelical Christians used to like look in Black Sabbath songs to try to see or Led Zeppelin or whatever to like see backmasking. But like Death Grips is a band that just does backmasking. Uh, I would say Death Grips is a band that does forward masking. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. Uh, Death Grips is the band that uh, parents in the like 60s and 70s and 80s were afraid of. The, the band that existed <laughs> in their minds. Yeah. And of course, you and I are a little more like, you know, tuned in to the actual like satanic evil of a lot of those bands. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm not even trying to call Death Grips evil, but they're definitely a little more like surface level, like without as much obscurity, like speaking into these subjects than a lot of the old, you know, The Doors or like uh, Ozzy or, you know, bands like that would have allowed on an album, especially the Rolling Stones. Yeah, like Ozzy Osbourne was like Christian, right? I mean, like... Yeah, no, that guy was a total poser. Yeah. <laughs> MC Wright is not posing as a Christian. That's that's what I will say. No, you know, love him or hate him, if there's one thing you can't call Death Grips, it's posers. Those guys, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, Dakota, do you want to know what that Enochian chanting translates to, supposedly? Oh, I would love to. It supposedly that thing that i read means the mysteries of the beast within oh really dakota who's the beast that mc ride worships he is the beast he worships interesting interesting the mysteries of the beast within sounds like a fucking death grips lyric i mean yeah i mean that extremely rings to uh beware their first track on ex-military yeah and so this like ritual that i've been like reading portions of it involves drumming right oh yeah and i quote circle to drum beat and add personal energy anger fear hope love sex hate etc really as drum tempo increases to raise the sphere of energy into the chest and then into one hand chant faster build into a frenzy at signal of drum stopping shout creation is here and now all right that really sounds like you're describing the intro to beware. Mm-hmm. Okay, but do go on. Then the seer leading the ritual obtains gnosis. And then there's this ominous line, my words here. The line says, the seer may require exorcism. Interesting. And then at the end of the essay, or I guess recipe maybe, it says, the entity being released to enter a power object or statue belonging to the group now or at a date set by the group, the entity may be named by the seer's contact and is now ready to serve. Interesting. So in this framing, where they use the exact term power object, and they have Enochian chanting, which I would argue sounds like one of the songs on Ex-Military, and then they're doing things that sound like a Death Grips song. Yeah. Basically, is evoking an entity which, what was the term? Uh, an intelligent guardian to protect and serve the group. 
Interesting. Now, when you're talking about like uh, summoning a name or whatnot, um, obviously a lot of the stuff on ex-military pops up, but the first thing I thought of was actually their first track on their first EP called Death Grips. Mm. Which, like, the fourth line of their first track is, what's your name, check it, bitch, it's Death Grips. <laughs> Which, I don't know, that just popped into my mind, but uh, I just think that is kind of interesting. Folks, is Death Grips a entity which they have summoned? I mean, I'm reading through the lyrics of Death Grips, um, Next Grips, the, you know, Lightning's Girl song. Mm -hmm. And really, I kind of see that with this track in particular. Mm. Like, uh, just to read them off, like, but fuck that, can't thrust that to a beam, that shit had to go. Machine that lick and let him blow like cream black. It's the magic host, self-ream tactic, what the fuck, I mean that shit all night. And then it goes to uh, the sample of, like, ride through the sky of black mist which they've that's kind of been a uh, motif through their music pretty much their whole career hmm yeah then after that you've got like nest eye to the left shit the melt your face till your bloody neck gets ripped headless death grips i don't know that's kind of an interesting uh series of lyrics in the context of uh what you're telling me like again listen dear listeners I'm not trying to create a moral panic here about Death Grips. I still listen to Death Grips. I enjoy oh, I, it. Yeah, me too. I am going to travel to see them on their latest tour. Like, I am not like not a Death Grips fan, but I do think that they are perhaps hiding their power level in terms of this magic shit. See, now what's interesting is I agree with you that they're hiding their power level, but they're not hiding it much you know what i mean no not very much i yeah. agree yes to where i like wonder i like is it even like i feel like they're trying to like lead people down this path oh i mean absolutely i mean just listening to death grips and i'm not trying to sound like a fanboy here like if you don't speak a word of english and you have no idea what they're talking about if you listen to a lot of death grips tracks like you will have that energy just like the beats and the samples and the production and rides rapping even if you don't know a single word of what he's saying like there's energy there i mean i i planned it for later i've got a few little anecdotes uh, about my personal experiences with death grips but i'll <laughs> probably get into that a little later in the episode but like they definitely summon an energy that a lot of other bands really ever but especially in the semi-mainstream have ever done yeah no like there is like a different energy to this music and i'm not saying it's all demons or something but like th there's a difference between them and other groups absolutely and i like a lot of those other groups that are in a similar vein to death grips but like not even talking like musical quality just like the mm -hmm. energy they give off death grips is one of a kind you know what i mean yeah hundred percent now let's keep talking about ex-military right all right so if we're talking ex-military like we said came out april 2011 first track on the album as we've kind of established it seems like the first track often is like significant it would seem oh absolutely no going through their entire discography i would agree okay good so the first track is a song called beware now, what I would argue to you, dear listener, 
is that perhaps they are not lying when they say beware. <laughs> he come to me with money in his hand. He offered me. I didn't ask him. I wasn't knocking someone's door down. I was running from that. When I got out, I was in that. I was already through that. I had that. I had the studio. I went to the studio. Went to Fox Studios. I had it all. And I looked at it. And I said, this is a bigger jail than I just got out of. I don't want to take my time going to work. I got a motorcycle and a sleeping bag and 10 or 15 girls. What the hell I want to go off into and go to work for? Work for what? Money? I got all the money in the world. I'm the king, man. I run the underworld, guy. I decide who's does what and where they do it at. What am I going to run around and act like I'm some teeny bopper somewhere for somebody else's money? I make the money, man. I roll the nickels. The game is mine. I deal the car. I close my eyes and seize it. I press my fist and leave it. I light my torch and burn it. I am the beast I worship. I close my eyes and seize it. I clench my fist and feed it. I light my torch and burn it I am the beast I worship And I know soon come my time And my mortar bells burn But I've been not the dumb I'm taking past the point of no return Wait for like no tomorrow Cause no hell there won't be one For all who deny the struggle The triumphant overcome Trips around, you have been at up to there Upon our winds, rights begin When the sun descends If not with you, we'll ever know Have seen the truth beneath the glow Of the urban floor where the roots of all Mysteries grow I land below, so far below The bottom line, transmitting love Transmissions rise from the depths Out of control bars Suspended glance and better blinking eyes And when it gets cast on the path that was On the path I find, it claims mine Ride the waves of unrest Made to make me shine as a testament To what the ways of the blind will never get Ship was shake by my disrespect Dismiss this life, worship death Cold blood night of serpent's breath Exhale like smells from the endless nest In the bottomless well of emptiness Channel to evoke what we represent Secret order, elitist order Creeping fire, seizing power Rod is up, the loop is our I am bomb, time is gone Blue light drawn, light till dawn Sacrifice to rise beyond Deep inside, the violent calm of the coming storm It must war, to glorify And for life adorn With all that dies to become unborn I close my eyes in season I place my fist and beat it I light my torch and burn it Reveal 
to know is God of mercy To pray is to accept defeat Power beast is on the weak Power beheaded by the beast Beggar on a bitch's leash Scum is desperate for relief Worship is the way I ride Wishing for us through the odds On the force, the false denial Worship the flames with which I rise Into a apocalyptic skies Watch, 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 watch. Watch, 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 skeleton I roam Wastelands with nothing call my own But the path I walk alone The hunger burns within my gut As my bones turn into dust And I know soon come my time But in my mortal power burns But I'm in not the time I'm begging past the point of no return Wait for a light go tomorrow Cause no Now, Dakota, I know you probably remember this too, but do you remember the first, because I remember the first time I ever listened to Death Grips, it was ex-military, and it was the song Beware, and it was in 2011, and mind you, this is after I got off my little Mormon mission, so I'm a little good boy, <laughs> right? I'm just listening to indie music, I just, I like, I like the music, and I'm just like... Yeah, you're jamming out to some, like, Of Mice and Men, or whatever shit you're listening to in 2011. Please, not that bad. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, that Peppa Pig like meme thing where it's like, I like this music and I put it on. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, click. And so Beware comes on. And the song starts with an extended excerpt of Charles Manson talking. Yes. It's a, it's a, I guess, a segment called I Make the Money Man. Yeah, he rolls the nickels. And Dakota. I don't know if you knew that this was Charles Manson right away. Uh, personally, I did, but I'm not, I'm not trying to flex, but I absolutely did. It makes sense that you would, but yeah, I did not know until like a year or two later that that was Charles Manson. Oh, really? I literally like didn't freaking know that it was Charles Manson. I was just like, who is this weird hypnotic guy talking at the beginning of the song? You know what? I would describe him that way. Yeah, it's a he. He's basically. Like I'll probably insert the clip so people can hear at least the him talking part. But like, yeah, I agree. I think you should. How like he's the way he talks is like hypnotic, right? Oh no, absolutely. I mean, no. If you listen to like any of Charles Manson speaking, like especially before he started, kind of just not giving a shit. Like after mm -hmm. you know you're serving life in prison, it's time to do funny dances because you know why not <laughs> no he's got a very powerful way of speaking i mean the man was trained by the best as we both know that's right fucking nlp type of shit yeah now you and i dakota we both know that there has not been anything resembling full disclosure on charles manson yet no negative actually i wanted to ask you this have you read chaos i have okay i i figured you would have now, I've been clocked as a Tom O'Neill hater, which I'm really not, I swear. 
No, I know. I uh, I wouldn't clock you as that. I you're critical, but you're not a hater. Right. Yeah. Like I think he is overly inflated in terms of how he views his importance, and then like there are some discrepancies and a few things that he says and a few of the dinner parties he chooses to attend with peter Thiel, <laughs> right yeah that classic uh classic kind of guy but i liked chaos that's all i'm gonna say right but what i would say is that it is clear that there is so much more going on with the manson cult like on multiple axes oh absolutely than what we currently know even with chaos is what i would say yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I, for me, like chaos, and I, I really don't know anything about Tomonial outside of chaos. And this is not derogatory to all of you, like chaos fans out there. I also think it's a great book. It's entry level in a good way. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not like entry level in a way of like you know, I don't. Know. Um, any of those like i mean fuck helter skelter or like any of those like psyops at psyops ass books where it's trying to like you know limited hangout lull you into a sense of security like you know here's the answers but it's like an it's entry level in the way that like you read it and you should enjoy it because it is a good book but you shouldn't think that that's the end you know what i mean you shouldn't think like you know everything because you've read chaos exactly well said now people might know this now but charles manson considered himself to be a Scientologist while he was in prison. And once he got out, actually. <laughs> now, we're talking mainly pre-Manson family, pre-crime spree. Yeah. But including some of when he was out of prison the first the first time, or the first series of times. Yeah, I was going to say. I... <laughs> now, I'm actually going to quote from Helter Skelter here, not the song, the book, by Bugliosi. <laughs> Even though I do consider him to be largely discredited, it's not to say everything in the book is wrong, right? Sure. So the book says, Manson's teacher, i.e. auditor, was another convict, Lanier Rainier. First of all, if you have a name like that, I'm going to kick your ass. But go on. How can you not be a weirdo with that name? Okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Manson would later claim that while in prison, he achieved Scientology's highest level, Theta Clear, and would claim that Manson would continue to use Scientology's terms and phrases. According to the Bugliosi narrative, Manson stopped identifying as a Scientologist by August 1966. However, when Manson got out of prison in 1967, he went to L.A., where he attended parties by, held by Scientologists and movie stars. In a certain sense... It is valid to ask what role the Church of Scientology played in the Manson saga. Yeah, so basically it was like saying that he was attending parties with Scientologists after he got out in L.A. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah, for sure. And so this is in Helter Skelter. So basically this is known like pre-chaos and so forth. Mm-hmm. Either way, Manson is known to have completed 150 hours of auditing, which is just like a huge amount of auditing, actually. That is a lot of auditing. That's like John Travolta levels of auditing. <laughs> yeah, maybe some other similarities. <laughs> Further, according to Ed Sanders in his book, The Family, the story of Charles Manson's dune buggy attack battalion, and again, I quote, 
In early December 1968, Manson sent Ace Acid Sassin. Sanders is forcing a joke there. Acid Sassin. Yeah, you're not Dave McGowan. You can't uh, get away with that kind of gag. <laughs> Bruce Davis on a trip to England where he spent around five months, including considerable time at the London headquarters of the process. Oh. Uh-huh. One okay. of my uh, personal favorites. Bruce Davis, by the way, was in the Manson family, right? Okay. So for whatever reason, if you look on Wikipedia, my favorite source, Wikipedia quotes Sanders as saying, Bruce M. Davis, known as Manson's right-hand man, worked at the Church of Scientology headquarters in London. Okay. Okay. Accidentally based Wikipedia, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. So which is it? Is it the process or the Church of Scientology that he was at? Or is there a difference? That's a great question. As you know, on a personal level, I like to blame the Process Church for a uh, lot more of the misdeeds than uh, a lot of people do. So do I. As it turns out in this case, Davis actually was at both. So Wikipedia is not technically wrong. They are just committing a sin of omission by not mentioning the process. All right. He was at both. Okay. Like it's one hell of a resume. This isn't nothing, man. Like there are serious doubts about the process church of the final judgments relationship to the church of Scientology, as we've talked about. And there are major unresolved questions about the process and the church of Scientology's relationship to the Manson family. Oh yeah. No, I, uh, I, I know we've discussed this in private. I'm not uh, fully caught up on the show that I'm currently being recorded to be on, but, uh, no, as you know, personally, I blame the Process Church for a lot more of the uh, classic PTK crimes than uh, many do. And in fact, I actually, uh, in preparation for this episode, I was scanning Death Grip's lyrics for references to the Process Church. Ooh. I didn't find any, but I really wanted to, and that might be a personal bias, but I, I was actually a little shocked that I couldn't find any direct references. No direct references. Thematically, though? fucking tons i mean thematically oh my god yes they would have <laughs> loved this shit so what i would say to the listeners is that what i'm saying right now with the scientology and process connections this does not undermine in my eyes o'neill's chaos theory that manson had police and intelligence ties if anything it actually strengthens it because both organizations were used by intelligence agencies in various times and places right Yes, absolutely. 100,000%. <laughs> Either way, Scientology is realistically one of the only places where Manson would have learned neuro-linguistic programming and cult techniques. Like, there's nowhere else you would have learned it. Well, other than pimping, which is sort of like a poor man's neuro-linguistic programming, which he was also exposed to. I mean, yeah, honestly, I would take it a step further, like... I would say the practice of pimping pretty much prepares you for that next level. Yes. And if you pair the two, holy shit, you got a cult leader like ready to go. Oh yeah. And then you take that with an infinite supply of, uh, you know, LSD and Melodonna and whatnot. Uh, you got a recipe. Yeah, that's right. So Basically, what I'm saying is that it is an interesting artistic choice to open your mixtape with a song sampling a hypnotic 
neuro-linguistic programming Manson rant. Indeed it is. Much to think about. Now, have you seen the uh, music video for Beware? Uh, that is, that's not, oh, fuck, I don't think I have. What, what, what happens? Oh my god. It's very cool. Um, it doesn't have any, like, a lot of, like, really in-depth imagery to dig into, but it is a lot of, like, visual effects with Ride, you know, rapping in the desert. And for me, like, you know, maybe I'm too noited, and I've also never been to California. But to me, when I think, when you open with Charles Manson, and then you go straight to, like, you know, MC Ride in the desert, rapping to the listener like you know with like you know your classic desert imagery like you know abandoned buildings and cacti and whatnot that that really digs up the uh the manson family image like you know oh yeah i'm i'm watching it without sound right now and like oh yeah yeah no like it doesn't have any direct references but the you, vibes it's got though. yeah the vibes death grips is a vibes based band i wonder if anyone ever figured out well because i know that there's that cactus i wonder if they're way out and like basically where the manson family were you know yeah you would have to get that uh weird guy who does <laughs> the, the geoguesser uh, <laughs> guy <laughs> yeah you gotta get that guy in on this i mean there's so many fucking californians i bet people know for sure Oh, I'm sure. But like, if you're watching the video right now, like, you know what I'm saying, right? Like this, oh, yeah. without being direct, because obviously there's no direct references to anything like this has that energy, especially what you were talking about, about like, you know, the Manson, like dune buggy army and whatnot, and his compound in the desert and all mm -hmm. that stuff like this has that energy. That's right. It does. And it, it's a, it's a sick music video. It's very cool. But like, you know, the shots of him like up in the cacti with the lights like superimposed over and like the sky in the background completely blacked out like i don't know if it didn't open with a literal speech from charles manson i would feel like i'm reaching but because it does this puts me in the space of where this is how i would feel if i were in the manson family you know what i mean yes now dakota you're a fellow enthusiast of panos cosmatos oh absolutely and oh yes especially mandy i mean both i guess but like for me i love mandy the most right i respect your opinion but i disagree but they're both amazing movies that's fine in fact one day we should talk about it but absolutely i would love to so in the chat here i'm putting the image right and this, I think, comes up in Mandy, but of course it comes up in Manson and Death Grips. Yes. That is the image of Abraxas. Indeed. Okay. Now, for the listeners out there, I'm going to give the like boring like entry-level version of Abraxas, which is basically a Gnostic entity, perhaps, that, uh, like, how to explain it? Sort of like... There are different understandings of it, but it it is like considered like an archon, which is to say like a sort of like a god cre creature, but is not necessarily fully identified with Judeo-Christian conceptions of God, is what I would probably say. Um, sure. I mean, yeah, of course, Abraxas is an archon. But I don't know, I would say at least if you're comparing it to like your standard 
Judeo-Christian belief system. I don't know. Archons are very demonic to me, mm-hmm. like in how I would interpret them. Obviously, I'm not a Gnostic, but uh, I've uh, talked to Gnostics and I've done research on Gnosticism. And I don't know. I know Abraxas is the great, you know, the great Archon. But I feel like Archons, to me, the way I interpret it at least, are a bit more malicious. Yeah. Luckily, I guess we don't have to split hairs on what the Gnostics back in like the first century actually thought. Yeah, yeah. We can just focus on what Charles Manson thought Praxis was about. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So in the film Charles Manson Superstar, Manson <laughs> speaks admiringly of Praxis. And I think he like kind of like defines it as the ancient Gnostic god who is the symbol of the eternal now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now let me send you this one. And I know you like know this shit, but like I'm just No, yeah, it's good to have a uh, reference. So that image and I I will probably make this available to the listeners too. But cuz I realize this is a audio medium. But this is an image from Nicholas Schreck's book The Manson File. Oh no. <laughs> And we can talk about that as a source in a minute here, but okay, because <laughs> I'm not rushing past that. But I was gonna say I'll let you set the pace on that one because we could go way off track with the words you just said to me. So I'll let you uh, yes. take the reins. Okay, I do. I think we should talk about it as a source. But let me read this segment from that book, which either reflects Charles Manson's view or it reflects Nicholas Schreck's view of what Charles Manson thought. Take your pick, okay? All right. So, here's the quote. Manson identifies himself as Abraxas, an awesome and mysterious figure about whom nothing is known because men have forgotten him. De Grimston's Processian philosophy is echoed in the description of Abraxas as the supreme power of being in who light and darkness are both united and transcended. Abraxas Kabbalistically corresponds to the number 365, the number of days in a year. Abraxas thus rules over the totality of time and when worshipped, frees man from the agony of time, a Charles Manson preoccupation. According to Holer, Abraxas stands as the third possibility of the eternally available timeless moment, the eternal now. Manson continually invokes the phrases coming to now, living in what is. Abraxas can be symbolized by the swastika, Manson's symbol carved into his forehead, which represents the four seasons or the totality of time. Abraxas is composed of seven letters relating to the seven rays of creative powers, and thus the archetype for man's potential of spiritual freedom and independence. It is known that Manson spent time with a religious cult at Topanga Canyon's Inn of the Seven Rays. Seven people were killed in the Tate La Bianca houses. Michael Bertio, leader of the Zos Kaya cultus, ruled over a, quote, monastery of the seven rays, unquote, in which sorceress lycanthropic rites were held. Another shape-changing cult, Austin Osman Spares Zos Vel Thanatos, preached Resurgent atavism, Manson's obsessive identification with the wolf and scorpion, have cultic resonances, if not actual connections with these practitioners of the left-handed path. Now, there's a 
fuck ton to chew on with that. Yeah. Let's take it apart maybe one by one. First of all, being like the eternal now, the eternal available timeless moment. Like, doesn't that kind of fucking remind you of like True Detective with the... uh Yeah, Eternal Recursion, Nietzschean shit. <laughs> what the fuck is that, Nietzsche? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Amazing. <laughs> now, wait, hold on. Hold on just for a moment. And I, I'm really sorry to interrupt your train of thought, and I'm sorry if I'm getting ahead of ourselves here. But uh, listening to you talk, that was um, popping up a lot of Death Grips-related lyrics. Okay, okay. Um, have you read the lyrics to Get Got, another one of their most popular songs from the Money Star? Yes, that's the one that I found because it was... Uh... Yes, that was mm-hmm. what popped in my head too, actually. You want to tell the listeners what's up with Get Got? I mean, when it comes to uh, you know, magic stuff, I feel like you should. But everything you just said, like <laughs> with every sentence, I was thinking of another correlation with the lyrics of Get Got. And I don't want to make a fool of myself and try and like read all of the lyrics to that track out loud. I'm sure you know them. Dramatic reading. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know what I'm getting at, and I'm sure you can pull the lyrics up in front of you right now. And that's extremely related to what you're saying. And when you brought up uh, Abraxas 365, that really like, you know, lit up a, a neuron center in my brain. Okay, because I knew it mentions Abraxas, but I don't think I read the whole, like, all of the lyrics. Let me see. I mean, really, just if you want to read the first verse, especially. Yeah. Um, that really hits with what you just said, and especially, like, the numerology and Abraxas, of course, and that old Gnosticism shindig. Maybe I'll just insert the song. A way better idea than having uh, my white ass read them out loud. <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know if I got that dog in me. I, uh... Get, 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 go, 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 blood rush to my head. They hot lock popping off the fucking block. Not clocking, wristlet, watch, been top off. Delphi dragon volume blasting, bailing out my brain. Red light flash. Them sob I smash, Abraxas, Hydroplank, Massive, that's his fight for rain and madness, Massive mine and lace, that Afro, Black, that fist on the ways of Stratus, curb like the far that's mine, away from me, if I care about anything, anywhere, losing myself, I get the stairs that I'm looking at, wasn't there, wasn't there, wasn't there. Wasn't there, wasn't there Nothing out there against the inside Hit the ball, sleep the drive, we drove the car But I'm still alive, up in smoke, moon is low As you know, them say I did, this is this, you know what this is But do you know? Yeah, 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 go, 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 go Blood rush to my head, they hot lock popping off the fucking block Now clock and wrist, they watch, been top, I fly inside I watch them big shots, they clutch it for the one who quick stop So many ways to skin the frame Remember when first I strays, now just think it Life obeys, so what comes next, right away Right away, right away, right away, right away. Race care, feel the dry, come black, I cover the sky. Talk to people of your eyes, sip this music, feel the night. Looking through you, master mob. Feel my semen cry. Yeah, I'm knowing it, you know what? Nothing mental, evidence, I'm putting home, you get crucified, can't close this it. What's the cost? Meet your head, but I'll end up lost. Should be asking, where's the safe? With a ski mask on my face Yeah, 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 yeah Got, 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 got blood rush in my head They hot, not popping off the fucking block Not clocking wrist, they watch me top off Oh, yeah 
Anthropic manic cycles, fire water burning Bibles, break up raging cold attacks and take me to the nearest city. Sell out of me, yeah, get at me, make it quick up, but I'm busy, bit busy, bit busy, bit busy, bit busy. Put a hole into my head, pierce the bone, up the breeze, lift my thoughts up into bed with a paper cup, skeleton wig. No, nothing since then, but seen, been flown to the next spread and Okay, so we're talking Abraxas. We're talking the eternal recurrence, the the eternal now. Okay, uh-huh. Abraxas being symbolized by the swastika. Like he doesn't cite that. I feel like Shrek might be kind of like inventing that. I don't know that that is a normal reading of Abraxas or the swastika, but when it comes to like esoteric Nazi shit. There is no, like, citing it. It's just whatever they fucking come up with. Suddenly, that is the new thing, you know? Yeah, and um, as we're speaking, I'm trying to, uh, you know, look stuff up because I'm actually on a computer now. (laughs) And uh, the first two things that came up for me were two different uh, promotional cigarette uh, boxes, one of which features Abraxas and the other one features a swastika, (laughs) which is uh, completely irrelevant, but... uh, incredibly funny but i don't i don't know of anything associating abraxas with a swastika outside of the twisted mind of nicholas shrek i'm pretty sure there's not i actually do have that one book on esoteric nazism i didn't think to check it but i will check it right now actually just because i think it's probably worth doing i mean sure the occult roots of nazism let's check for abraxas everything always comes back to those occult nazis doesn't it Oh, look at that. There's no Abraxas in <laughs> the book that would include it if it were something that Shrek wasn't basically making up. I mean, yeah, that sounds, from what I know of Nicholas Shrek, I've, unfortunately, I know more about him than I wish I did. That sounds like <laughs> the kind of thing he would pull out of his ass. It sure does. But, of course, like the Process Church, obviously their logo is a swastika, and obviously they love their Gnosticism shit. It's not to say it's wrong, because it's like, if that's... I mean, Charles Manson was kind of a fucking Nazi, sort of. And, like, for, like, esoteric Nazis, I mean, you already know that, like, there is a type of Nazi who loves Charles Manson. Oh, yeah, no, when it comes to the uh, second half of the 20th century, like, Manson is the esoteric Nazi. I mean... Mm-hmm. Even if we're talking musically, like even outside of Death Grips, like you can get into like Burzum and Death in June, like bands like that, that love that esoteric Nazism stuff. And they love that kind of imagery too. And uh, honestly, we won't, but uh, we absolutely could do another whole episode on Death in June. Okay. So questionable interpretation, but again, it's sort of like the reifying thing where it's like, okay, the esoteric Nazi says it. So it's like true technically. Okay. Now, I didn't I didn't know about this. I don't know if it's even true, but Charles Manson spending time with a religious cult 
like in Topanga Canyon, the end of the seven rays. I haven't fact checked that to see if that's true, but seven rays is a recurring thing in like theosophical shit. Really? No, that's something I, I know honestly nothing about. I haven't heard that specific cult mentioned outside of like a few. I feel like I've heard it referenced, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah. And then citing Michael Bertia, that's that voodoo guy. I mean, he's a white dude, but like. Oh, we love a voodoo white dude. White dude voodoo of the spookiest variety. Okay. Oh my God. White dude voodoo is one of my favorite bands. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically like the idea, it almost like uh, says it in the quote, like a resurgent atavism. I mean, what is like worshiping Charles Manson as a symbol for esoteric Nazism, if not resurgent atavism. Sure. And then the wolf and the scorpion, like, isn't like the scorpion jacket, isn't that like a fucking, was it Scorpio rising? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got Scorpio rising, Kenneth Anger. Um, mm-hmm. We both know about him. Everybody listened to the uh, Subliminal Jihad episode. Uh, honestly, though, when you say Scorpion Jacket, the first thing my brain goes to is Drive with Ryan Gosling, of course. Interesting to think about that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I uh, have you seen Neon Demon by uh, Nicholas Finding Refn? I actually haven't. I've seen most of his other films, though. Um, you would love it. It's really good. It's one of the more low-key red-pilled movies out there. But uh, yeah. It's about occultism and Satanism, Gnosticism type themes within the modeling industry. Um, and obviously, Vining Refn has a lot of interesting things to say. Have you seen Only God Forgives? Yes. It's closer to that than Drive. But yeah, uh, Neon Demon's really good. But uh, when I think Scorpion Jacket, I first think Drive. But, you know, the Kenneth Anger stuff is a lot closer to the themes we're getting at. I think so. Although I would suggest that perhaps the drive jacket is alluding to the same things it could be i'm not sure honestly i think that's kind of an interesting case because uh it's one of those things where uh there's a extremely real and valid like you know surface level interpretation Mm -hmm. of that decision with the jacket that he wears and then there's kind of a you know deeper way to interpret it yes i will cut this but (laughs) no what the fuck holy shit now let me send you another picture here in the chat okay tell me when we're uh getting back on track by the way (laughs) this this is uh back on track i think all right let me uh... so i i want to know if you have seen this poster before supposedly it was a relatively rare tour poster i don't know if i've seen it posted but i have seen that poster okay and yeah yeah i see what you're saying right so let's describe for the listeners i will say this is a tour poster for them in 2012 and the image is like a i mean it's stylistic it's like a you know artistic like tour poster but like we're talking like a like a man with a bird's head with like snake legs and there's like a crown basically this is a stylistic depiction of her praxis i mean it is but at the same time it's also a stylistic depiction of 
ride. Yes. Which is kind of interesting. Interesting to think about. Because it does have the, at least the chest tattoo is the same. I mean, yeah, and also the, like, shirtless with jeans with a big belt, which is kind of rides, you know, his mm -hmm. signature look. That's right. So, they mention Abraxas, they know about it, clearly, and then they yeah. use it in one of their tour posters. Interesting. And then, of course, you've got, like, the Simon Necronomicon when you're getting back to, like, Lovecraft bullshit like we were talking about earlier. That is correct. So, the guy who uploaded that tour poster, which is rare, I guess, he basically wrote up on whatever website I found this on. Basically, there's this passage here where he talks about meeting the band and whatever. Mm -hmm. And it says, Stephen immediately recognized Abraxas, and I chatted with him briefly about our mutual love for art and the fact that not everything needs to be said literally. Some things are better when expressed in other ways. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, that is basically a modus operandi for Death Grips. Oh, absolutely. No, um, Death Grips, one of their uh, greatest talents, for better or worse, is kind of obscuring, like, depth under, like, really, you know, trashy lyrics. Mm -hmm. I don't even mean trashy to be, like, derogatory, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, lyrics about sex and, like, you know, filth, like, fucking, like, you know responsibility is cool right <laughs> yeah there's more shit in life but like even if you get like especially if you get like later into their discography which i know you're more you're a little less uh knowledgeable about than i am yes. but uh when it comes to like year of the snitch and bottomless pit the lyrics only get filthier but like there's still the same kind of undertone of what they're trying to say and that they're kind of obscuring under the filth about like you know mm -hmm. a track called shit show or like you know a a track that's on the surface about like you know anal sex or whatever mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense hey no ins and outs you come out your shit is gone bitch going back to Tangier with some guns and a spear post Christy shit post chicken of the egg addiction shit yo, yo, yo.